remain standing. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah, one of the larger prophetic books in the Old Testament. If you know where Ezekiel is, Jeremiah is before Ezekiel. Jeremiah. Once you've located Jeremiah, turn to chapter number 4. Jeremiah chapter number 4. All of our folks help those around you. And by the way, when they do that, it is not to bring embarrassment to you. We're at church. We're here to learn. And so, uh, again, I use myself as that example, not growing up in church, uh, not knowing anything about the Bible at all. Uh, I went to, my kids went to a Bible college. And one year I went up there to visit them, and they were having what they called chapel. That is a church service in the middle of the week. And I'm in there with all these college kids, several thousand of them, and here's this older guy. I was 30, I don't know, in my 30s or 40s, and I'm sitting in the middle of all these college kids, and it's, it's like, the, this is embarrassing, right? You're in school, and you, somebody hands out a test, and you go, oh, no, I regret this. They no one handed out, and some smart kid turns theirs back in, and they're already done. Didn't you hate that? Didn't you hate that? Oh, I can't believe it. And then all the pressure's on you. So I'm sitting there, and I'm taking notes, trying to. My English was terrible. My spelling was worse, and I had to learn all these things. So I'm sitting there, and they said, uh, they'll turn to book so-and-so. So here's what, here's what you do, right? You go like that. You start in the back, right? That's pretty smart. You know what? you got to start somewhere, right? So don't be embarrassed about that. Then the guy said he was talking about the prophet. Well, I thought prophet. And see, you're going like this, and what's the problem? Well, that's not the way you spell prophet, like a person. And so when it dawned on me, I got all these college kids around me, so I just kind of slipped my hand over it and went right on. I got over that. You have to learn. Folks, as long as you act like you know it and you don't, you'll stay at that level. Just, just learn. You're here in church to learn, and so we want to find Jeremiah, which you're probably already there. And I'm heading in the wrong direction. There we go. Okay, Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number four. I will read out loud. You read along. I said all that to give you a chance to get there. Okay, if you didn't take advantage of that, I don't know what to tell you. Jeremiah chapter number four. I'll read out loud. You read along with me silently. It's good to have you with us this morning. Verse number three. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Now, most of us here are probably people from city or rural areas. So we really don't know what some of these words even mean. So I want to help you this morning understand something about that verse. In the meantime, go to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke, chapter number 4. Luke chapter number 4, Luke chapter number 4, Anna Eve, move, move on up, sit next with her, would you do that for me please, thank you very much, there we go, Anna Eve doesn't know her Bible, but sitting next to you, she'll feel better, okay, uh, and so turn to Luke chapter 4 verse 18. 
Now, our charismatic friends use this way out of context, but let me show you. Verse number 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. By the way, this is Jesus speaking of himself. He's not preachers. This is Jesus speaking of himself. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, to recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Father, thank you for the Bible. Help us please once again, how often can it be said? We tend to go by what reasons we tend to go by what we think makes sense. We tend to go by what others have taught us. And yet you've given us a book. It's right there. And I know people have misused it. And I know they use it to teach what they want to teach and do what they want to do. One day that will all be accounted for. Our job now is to help people, not just because they need help, but help them in a right way. Help us, dear Lord, please, to take your word, the Bible. We have no right to change it, rearrange it make it say what we want it to say or think it should say. Help me, please, to help your people. Thank you for this opportunity. Watch over those that are watching live stream, those who because of illness, sickness, age, whatever, cannot be here this morning. I hope that the message and the service will be a blessing to them. But I pray most of all, Lord, for those that are in the service, that Holy Ghost of God, as you talk with them in mind and heart, that they would respond properly to the Word of God that I would be able to help them, not for my sake, but for Christ's sake and for theirs. Please help us this morning. We love you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Lately I've been looking back along this winding road to the old familiar markers of the mercies i have known i know it may sound simple but it's more than a cliche there's no better way to tell you than to say God's been good in my life. I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams when I go to sleep each night. And though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't change them if I could. Cause through it all, God's been good. Times replay and I can see that I've cried some bitter tears. But I felt his arms around me as I faced my greatest fears. I've had more gains and losses, and I've known more joy than hurt. As your grace rolled down upon me, undeserved, 
God's been good in my life. I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams when I go to sleep each night. And though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't change them if I could. Cause through it all, God's been good. For God has been my father, my savior and my friend. His love was my beginning and his love will be my end. I could spend forever trying to tell you everything he is. But the best way I can tell it is this. For God's been good in my life. I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams when I go to sleep each night. And though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't change them if I could. Cause through it all, God's been good. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you, Miss Mary. Appreciate that very, very much. Needless to say, that was not designed for you. When you have emotion with music properly, you don't have to put it on. You don't have to make it up. Just God working in someone's heart. We didn't spend all week choreographing the whole thing. We didn't have laser lights and smoke. Just someone who has lived for God, singing for God, very minimal music, and look how it moved your heart. Kind of impressive, isn't it? I want you to turn to Luke chapter 4. You were there a little while ago. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 4. <coughs> Luke chapter 4. I want you to notice in this verse, and again, for those who believe that they, as a preacher, were sent to heal the brokenhearted, sent to raise people from the dead, sent to, that's not what that verse says at all. This is Jesus speaking of himself when he comes. So I want you to understand, look at verse number 18 of Luke chapter number 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and set 
at liberty them that are bruised. Notice, Jesus said one, out of all of this and many other things, one of the purposes, one of the reasons, one of my jobs for coming here is to heal the brokenhearted. To heal the brokenhearted. Not only in our world, not only in our state or city, but in this church, a lot of brokenhearted people, a lot of things that they have gone through. And I, I, know, I know what you try to do. You try to project the I'm on top side, everything is okay. Girls, listen to me now. Everything is fine. Preach, it'll be okay. I'm not sure how to break the news to you, but if you look around, there just aren't a whole lot of perfect people anymore. You're not the only one that cries. You're not the only one that hurts inside. You're not the only one that wonders why it's you. There are people everywhere, and I don't mean just in our country, in our world. I'm talking about in your church. Right here there are. By the way, it's good to see Shannon and Deidre. Uh, good to have both of them with us this morning. The problem is this. Many people who are broken, because a lot of people have been. He said, I come to heal the brokenhearted. A lot of people have been brokenhearted. That's not the problem, really. The problem is our reaction to the brokenheartedness. See, what happens many times, people, and by the way, folks, if you haven't been, sooner or later, you will be brokenhearted. One time or another, or multiple times, not just one time, but boy, I'm glad that lesson's over with. No, there'll be lots of times for most of us that this will happen. But here's the problem. Many people who have or are being broken, you're not yielding to God. You're stiffening up against it. You don't like it. I didn't ask you to like it. I'm simply saying you have to understand what the Lord is doing here. So in Jeremiah, God speaking through Jeremiah to Judah and Jerusalem says this, break up your fallow ground. This is not something God is going to do. This is something that you have to do. You have to, you understand what fallow ground is? I'm city boy, I have to study this stuff out. Fallow ground is not bad ground, it's just unusable ground. What happens many times is a farmer will really a lot of times use it and use it and use it at certain certain plot of ground and he'll go over it and over it and he starts pulling out everything that's possibly in it. Pretty soon there are not a lot of nutrients in there and, and maybe it hasn't rained for a while and so all these things happen and it's not real usable at that time and so what he does, he goes along with a plow and turns all of that, oh, you've seen it probably before, driving by a field, you'll see a whole field where it just looks like everything's turned over in big rows. That ground's not any good for anything. It's too hard. It bakes in the sun. And, and the idea is to let it set so that the rain and the nutrients and the sun and the natural things that not Mother Nature is no such thing. God puts back, God puts back into the soil. Now, please understand, while all that's going on, as long as it's turned over, you still can't sow anything. No seed can be sown. It just lay on top. So what happens is Jeremiah, through God, says, break up your fallow ground. So that fallow ground, you've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it if you paid any attention at all. You go by a field and you see big rows. It looks like it's just been turned over like that. You understand? So it, there's a purpose for, look, there is a purpose for fallow ground. There is a purpose for fallow ground. There is a purpose. And God tells Jeremiah, okay, tell the people, break up your fallow ground. 
other words, all of that's been turned over and just lying there. All of that, that no matter what happened, by the way, weeds start growing up. Weeds and thorns, that's what he says. So weeds and thorns and anything that naturally wants to grow will try to come up. Even You ever notice how grass, you can build a sidewalk or a concrete pad? Grass will come up through a crack. You ever notice that? You can't get grass to grow in a normal place, but grass will grow up through concrete. Tell me this world isn't backward. It amazes me. So what happens in all of this, listen to me, all of us are creatures of feelings. Every one of us. I don't care how you teenagers and young people, nothing bothers me. Don't tell me that. God made us that way. But what happens many times, we become hardened in heart. We become unfeeling in our heart. It's kind of like fallow ground, you know. It's, it's at one time it was tender and soft and usable, but something has happened, and now it's been turned over, and no matter how much preaching you hear, no matter how much God wants to talk to you, you stiffen up against, I don't want to hear that. Well, that's just not me. Well, I don't care what he has to say. Now, you listen to me carefully. God said, okay, I can't make you break up your fallow ground, but I am instructing you, Jeremiah, tell them. Tell them what they need to do. They need to break up their fallow ground. Now, what we need to do, folks, listen. If we do not break up our fallow ground, listen to me, fellas. Look up here and listen. If we do not break up our fallow ground, that part in Luke where he said, I come to heal the brokenhearted, God can't help you. You know why? You won't allow him to. You will not allow the Lord. This happens to our young people. And by the way, as decades go by, a lot of us older people, a lot harder in heart than God ever intended us to be. We don't like our life. We don't like the way things turned out. We don't like what God has said. We don't like what our parents have to say. All of this stuff here is simply falling on top of fallow ground and it's not producing anything that's good. That's not the way it was supposed to be. So God said, now you listen to me, you listen to me well. You, in charge of your heart, in charge of your feeling, in charge of your emotions, you got to break that up. Sounds like it's going to hurt. We know that we have stopped God from working. And we know we have stopped God from allowing us to be more useful. Folks, you're not, God never asked you to go to church so you can sit there and just feel sorry for yourself. I'm not trying to be mean. You, you, when I say you got to get over it, you got to break up that fallow ground. You've got to allow the word of God once again to be able to get through to you. You've got to want that. And you say, well, I'm so, at least I'm in church. Ain't going to do you a bit of good. Ain't going to do you a bit of good. You have got to realize that your feelings have made you hard. You have to understand that the circumstances of life you're not going to give into. It's not going to break me. It'll not have its way in my life. And God said, now you listen to me. You break up your fallow ground, then I can heal your heart. God is teaching among many other things. Don't just let me go to the same depths in your life. Christian, how long have you been on the way now? Two years, five years, 50 years? I've been at it 51 years. A lot of tough things have happened. A lot of, t- not one thing, oh good, I'm glad that's over. Oh, there's other tough things coming. You do know the world that we live in, right? It's pretty bad. Now we recognize how bad it is when we don't like it anymore. But please understand, this is a very, very wicked, sinful, evil place that we live in. And look at our young people. Look, okay, my generation was terrible. 
That doesn't give you a right for you to be, well, you were terrible, we were terrible. No, that's not the way it's supposed to work. I could blame it on everything. Single parenting. Mom tried to raise six kids by herself. Welfare. Lived in bad places all over the city. I understand. I got it. I got it. So quit looking like you're the only person in the world that's ever had to face tough times. So what was all of that about? Well, first of all, most of that was about the world, the sin, and the devil. Okay? You understand? And you think, oh, boy, I'll live the way I want to. Well, that's going to be the end. That's the way it's going to turn out. But now we're Christians, and God, through Jeremiah, was talking to his children and said, hold it, hold it, hold it. You need to break up your fallow ground. And don't sow thorns. you got to stop that. So what happened is God is teaching, don't let me keep working with you to the same depth all the time. Now, I am told there's a thing called a plow pan. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody at all? Okay, you do because you read a lot. Anyway, uh, so a plow pan is a depth that you set on a plow. Uh, especially in the older days, you could do it by hand and you'd set it down as far as you wanted and it would dig down in the earth and it wouldn't go any farther. It would go down that far and it would stop. Now, after a long time, you go over it and over it and over it and over it and over That plow pan is skimming across the top of the soil and guess what it's, guess what it's doing? It's hardening the top of that soil right there. So what happens is the wise farmer will realize that, see what's going on, and make an adjustment to the plow pan so that the next time he goes through, it digs deeper. This is the part you're not going to be fond of. It digs deeper into that soil, not to hurt the soil more, but to help the soil do what it was meant to do, and that's to produce fruit and seed and food, all the good things that most farmers are looking for. So what happens is that same depth, that same depth, that same depth, that same depth, this is what happens, Christian. Look up here and listen to me. I'll never go through that again, but you, you face it again and you go and you stop. I'll never go hurting beyond that point and you stop. That's never going to happen to me again, and you stop. I'm talking to Christians. I'm not talking to you that don't know Jesus. I'm telling you right now, why does it seem like every time you hit that level, you stop? How many times are you going to go to church and stop and 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 go to church and stop? The only thing you're doing is skimming across the top of a level you don't want to go down below because it hurts. I don't like it. So you go by your feelings rather than the word of God and you're never going to learn how to walk with God on a deeper plane. So what happens? Our hearts become hardened to God and God cannot help heal that because we won't let him. We pray, oh God, please don't let me hurt like it. But you won't let him. You won't let him go deeper into your feelings. You won't let him go deeper into your life. You know, I'm not saying it feels, it doesn't feel good. If that ground had feelings and that plow pan said, I'm going to go deeper, it would scream and yell and don't like it until it starts producing fruit in its season. And then you know what you do? It, it's like, it's, it's funny, we have school here and uh, the older kids in school, when they hear the younger kids go, I know how to spell that. That's no big deal. Oh, I, I've been hurt like that before. That's no big deal. So, But back when you were in that grade, it hurt. It's like the fourth grader saying to the third grader, that's no big deal. I've been through that. Yeah, last year. And when you were there, you didn't like it either. 
This is what Christians do. We look at each other and go like, it's no big deal. Well, at that level, it is a big deal. So what happens, we go over it and over it, and what God is saying is, you need to break this up. We, I, I need to go deeper into your life so I can have more of an effect and we can produce even more in your life. Folks, it's not up to God. It's up to you. I've already described to you what it is he wants to do. But like I preached, I think it was last week or the week before, God has given you a will. You do not want God to do it as much as he knows it's best for you. He won't. There was a man back in the 1600s. His name was John Bunyan, not Paul. No relation. John Bunyan. John Bunyan was a Baptist preacher in England. When he was in England, they decided that the only people that are going to preach are those who have license by the state. You don't have a license. You, you, if we do not give you the authority to preach, you can't. John Bunyan took an offense to that. He said, God called me. The word of God told me what to do. I don't need your authority. And they said, okay. So they put him in jail. Prison, actually. The Bedford Prison. They put him in there. He was there for 12 years. 12 years? Wait a minute. He had a family. had a wife. He had a, he had a handicapped daughter. She was blind, I believe. He had a church. And while he was in there, he could help none of them. It's like, okay, why am I doing this? If this is the outcome, that's not the outcome. That's just what's happening at the moment. Quit calling what's happening at the moment the outcome. The outcome is what happens after the moment. So what he did while he was in there, anybody in here other than those of you who've been Christians from your mother's womb, uh, ever heard of Pilgrim's Progress? Pilgrim's Progress is a book written by this preacher. What? While he was in prison, while he was going through hardship, while he could not help his blind daughter, while he could not help his wife, while he could not pastor his church, why be a Christian if this is the way that it is? Right? This is our mentality. John Bunyan decided while he was in there, by the way, that Pilgrim's Progress is a, if you would, a story about a Christian who's walking through life and all the different things that we run into. Vanity fair, where everything tries to get your attention. The slow of despond, I don't care, I don't want to do that. So he took all of these analogies, put them in a book. This book has inspired a lot of people, helped them to understand some things about the Christian life. And what happened was through all of this, John Bunyan found a depth in his life, he never knew before that he never would have understood had not God allowed him to go into an area he did not like. Amen. And every day or every week, they'd bring his wife and daughter by and say, they need you. If you simply sign this paper, we'll let you go home. And here's what you think. Well, that wasn't very nice. No kidding. But he stood his ground and paid the price. And it almost broke him. But in that breaking, instead of standing up against God, I don't understand this. This isn't fair. He gave in to God, broke up the fallow ground, and God began to sow things in that man's life that nobody else has ever done before. And now it has inspired. If you've never read that book, you ought to read the book. Let God dig a little deeper. Notice the word Let. Well, God's going to dig deep. He won't. He wants to, but he won't. What about you, Christian? 
I'll never be hurt again. Okay, you're done. Because it's going to come. It's a matter of what you're going to do with it. In the 1800s, there was a fellow by the name of Horatio, you want to name your kids that, Horatio G. Spafford. Spafford was a attorney in Chicago. How many, do they still teach American history in school? Great Chicago, not really? Yeah, probably, there's a history guy right there. Chicago Fire, anybody know what I'm talking about? You said there was a fire in Chicago? <laughs> yeah, burnt most of it down to the ground way back in the 1800s. There was a fellow there that was a born-again Christian who worked and was a blessing and helped people uh, about, uh, for example, D.L. Moody, you probably don't know him either, and also the Ira Sankey, which is a great songwriter and singer, and a lot of other Christians and churches. And I mean, the guy did real well in his practice. He owned a lot of properties along the, along the um, uh, water. What you, uh, huh? Yeah, up around there. And so what happened one day, a fire broke out. Well, before that happened, his only son died. Back then, they didn't have a lot of shots and stuff to help people. You just had to suffer it out, and if you made it, fine. Well, his only son, his only son died. His only son died, and then the Chicago fire took almost all of his properties and all of his investments and everything that he had that was bringing in money. And by the way, he didn't just keep it. He helped lots of people do a lot of things in their life. But because of this loss and the great Chicago fire, his doctor told him, Mr. Spafford, what you really need to do is go on a vacation. I am going to suggest you take a break. You got to. This is, this is weighing on you. This is way more than a man can take. You need to take a break. So what he decided to do was to go on about 1873. They planned to go to England. Him, his wife, and his four daughters going to go to England. At the last moment, business came up. He just could not. Listen to me, girls. Listen to me now. Hey, young lady, listen to me. He and his four girls and his wife were going to go on a vacation. Business came up. I can't go. I have to take care of it. Honey, you and the girls go on. I will follow as soon as I can, and we'll all go to England. We'll take a vacation together. They all agreed, and he saw them off, and they went on that way. Out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, another ship in the night ran into their ship. In less than two hours, the ship went down. Understand, in the 1800s, they didn't have cell phones. There was no hardline phone from the ship to the shore. Two weeks later, they ended up in, I think it's Cardiff, Wales, and his wife finally sent message back by telegram Saved alone. His four daughters drowned. So now he's without his son. Now he's without his four daughters. His wife is over in another country. He's still in America trying to figure out how to get over there. Two weeks later, two weeks later, he received that information. Two weeks later. Can imagine? Honey, how come you didn't answer the phone right away? Two weeks later, he got information. I'm alive, the girls are dead, I'm in Wales waiting. Spafford gets on a ship later on and he's asked the purser or someone that was there, says, can you, can you show me as close as you can where the accident took place? As he got closer, they said, Mr. Spafford, it's, it's right in this area, pretty close to this area is where the ship went down. That tragic broke 
him to say, Son, four daughters. I'm not with my wife. I'm crossing the sea. It's at night. Right here is where I lost almost everything that I care about. It is during that time that Horatio G. Spafford wrote this down. It is well, the will of God be done. You say, okay. Oh, no, 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 no. Later, it was changed to, it is well with my soul. You know the song. When peace like a... Now, understand what he just went through. And he's standing there, looking into the dark, and God inspires him later on to write, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well, sing it, with my soul. All together, ready? It is well, it is well with my soul. That day, Spafford allowed his heart to be broken up. And guess who healed the hurt? God. God said, Jesus said, I come to heal the brokenhearted. Your heart is not healed because you will not let God do that. You're so afraid that you'll hurt even more. You are going to have to break up the fallow ground. Most people never heard of a guy by the name of Thomas A. Dorsey, not the, not the band leader. This was a black gospel songwriter of years gone by. While he was expecting his first child, he had to go preach a revival. So he gathered up everything, put it in his briefcase, put it in his briefcase, but then he left. And as he was going down the road, he forgot, oh, my briefcase. So later on that night, he turns around, drives back home. Now his wife is expecting their first child. He didn't want to bother. So he goes into the house, gets the briefcase, and just leaves. Didn't say goodbye, didn't say anything. She's sleeping. She's trying to rest. So he just kind of let that go. Later, two nights later, he received a telegram. And the telegram said this, wife died giving Wait a minute, I don't understand this. He's a songwriter. He loves the Lord. He's a born-again Christian. He's helping other people. He's holding a revival. This is our reasoning. Why would God allow that? That's a good question. Answer the question. Why would God allow whatever's going on in your life? Why would he allow that? We always want God to answer us. You answer the question yourself. Why would Almighty God allow such things to go on? His friends drove him back only to find out that the baby she was carrying also died. His wife was gone. His child was gone. He drives all the way back home. Dorsey said, I quote, this is double trouble. I cannot take it. Girls, listen to me. Be quiet. This is double trouble. I cannot take it. 
Watch how far he goes. Watch. He says to God, God, you're not worth a dime to me right now. I know we've never said that. When how often we thought it. A few days after that, after the hardness had broken, after he finally got through that particular part of it, he let God have his way. And he wrote a song you probably know. You know this song? Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on through the light. Take my hand. Precious Lord, lead me home. Do you know people that write real songs that last long time normally come from broken-hearted people? Do you know some of the greatest things, some of the greatest songs we have, they used to call Negro spirituals. Now, most of you are too young. You just get offended when I say that because you don't know any better. When they worked in the fields, they would get to singing. They'd make up songs as they worked. Keep their mind off of things. Some of the greatest songs you don't know anything about came from broken-hearted people that gave in to God and said, right now, this is just the way that it is, but God, we love you, and went right on, and God used those people, and God wants to use you. Many in this room and all over Columbus are broken. They're broken, but they're not being healed because they stiffen up. This isn't fair. I don't like this. Why did it me? And we go on and on with those types of phrases. You could tell your story of death. Loved one. Divorce. Tragedy. Loneliness. Most people, as I've said so often, do not mind being alone when they want to be alone. But most of us don't like being alone. We have no choice. Heartache. Many instead of running, I'm talking about Christians now. You listen to me. You said you're a Christian. You raise your hand. You acknowledge Jesus Christ is my Savior. Then I have a question for you, my dear friend. If He is your Savior, if He's your all in all, if you've given Him your life, why in the world, instead of stiffening up again, like He owes you, He is Almighty God. He does not owe you an answer. But Jesus himself said, I come to heal the brokenhearted. So I have a question for you. Why is your heart not being healed? He must be lying. Jesus can't lie. What is the problem? Your fallow ground. You will not break up the fallow ground so that Jesus can begin to heal your life. The plow pan needs to be adjusted. It needs to go a little deeper. You've been hurt here and hurt here and here. You won't let it go any farther. You're not going to allow it to go any farther. God is trying to work with that. Then you get upset with him because he won't magically make it go away. And God said, I'm waiting right here to heal you. The brokenhearted. But you have to break up the fallow ground. We'll not allow God to do what needs to be done so that he can heal the brokenhearted. Pastor, I refuse to be hurt again. Break up your fallow ground. Break it up. Break it up. Preacher, 
I just don't feel much about anything anymore. Break up your fallow ground. You need to break up your fallow ground. Preacher, I'm hardened in heart. I recognize that. Is it too late for me? Can God still use me? You ready? It's not God can't use you. God will not use you like that. It's you that's stopping him. It's not God that doesn't want to use you. It's not God that does not want to pull you to himself. We're so tied up in our feelings and what we think's right and wrong, what we think's fair and what's not fair. And God told all of Israel, here's your problem. All of this time, you've turned that over and left it lie that way. Thorns are growing up there. It's hard. I cannot sow good seed in there. It's not producing anything because you will not turn over the fallow ground. You can't go back to that field and keep going to that same depth all the time. You're hindering God from working in your life. God is not trying to destroy you. You're doing a pretty good job of that yourself. God is simply leading you to break up your fallow ground. And he, if you'll let him, if you'll let him, he will use that plow pan to dig deeper so he can heal, draw you close, and produce fruit in your life again. Purpose, direction, need. God said, I can handle all of that. See, God wants a greater relationship with you. No parent wants their... Personally, I like when my kids were two-year-olds. Now, the world has told you, terrible twos. That's because they got terrible parents. But I liked it. They were getting a sense of humor. They thought they were cute. Uh, They didn't talk back. (laughs) Uh, I, I thought it was a wonderful time. But they can't stay two yards. You cannot stay where you're at, Christian. We have a good, what's he called? The father. We have a good father that knows what his children need. And you stiffen up against your father. Just how do you think he's going to be able to help you? It's not him that can't or him that won't. It's you won't let him. God wants to interfere in your life and help you out again. Go to 2 Corinthians. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. New Testament, what, okay, preacher, what's in it for me? That's a good question. What are the advantages of being broken? It doesn't sound like there's any advantages, does it? Broken, what good can come out of broken? I don't know what good came out of Jesus dying. What good came out of Jesus dying? He said, I come to do thy will. I come to glorify thy name. And on the day he was crucified, he said, this day I am glorified in God. When he was finally broken and everything taken from him was when he gave God the most glory in his life. We just do not understand God and what he's trying to do. 2 Corinthians chapter number one. I will show you my life verse. I changed it from he must increase, I must decrease. I don't know why. Back when I first got done, everybody had a life verse, and I thought, okay, i got to find one, you know. And Well, this one found me. The first one I found, he must increase, I must decrease. Oh, preacher, that's a good one. Yeah, but this is kind of what the Lord gave me a few years after I got saved. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. Look at verse number 3. 
Watch how this starts off and watch how it ends up. Ready? Blessed be God. And we all do that, right? Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. Wonderful, right? The Father of mercies. Well, I like that part right there. The God of all comfort. See, God comforts everybody. Okay, ready? Ready? There's no period after that. Who comforteth us in all our... Uh-oh, that doesn't sound good. He can't comfort you in tribulation until you're in tribulation. Wait a minute. That, why, why would he do that? I mean, why do we have to go through this? Ready? Ready? He answers it for you. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. There are people all around you brokenhearted, can't figure out what to do, about ready to commit suicide, calling it quits, I'll never give in again, nobody can make me, people like that all around you. If you have let God in your tribulation bring you comfort and mercy and you gave in to God, now you're able to understand that person that's going to... Ma'am, ma'am, I, I know you lost a child. I know that. And you've asked God, why? Why did, why did that... What did I do? A lot of times what we'll ask. Maybe it's not what you did, it's what he needs. You know why? You're going to lean on God and trust him no matter what, and God knows that. Like Job. Job knew he talked to Satan. When God talked to Satan about Job, he's not going to give in to you. I know the man. Why would God allow certain things to happen to you? I'll tell you what I think. Like that verse right there. There are people coming right up around you. They can't figure it out. They hurt. It doesn't make sense. And you're going to say this. Let me help you a little bit. I've gone through some things, and here's what God has done for me. Now you can comfort them which aren't any trouble at all. Here's what we normally do. Well, I don't know about all that, and I just can't see it that way. And, well, that's just not the way I am. You can do that until the cows come home, whatever that means. Or you can say, God knows. I refuse to get hardened in heart. I refuse to allow this world to make me an enemy of God. I'm not going to do it. God, it hurts, but I give in to you. So you just broke up the fallow ground. Now sitting in church, some of you are getting answers to questions you've thought about for some time. Unless you're so keyed in on your hurt, your loss, and what's going on in your life, then you can't do that verse that we may be able to comfort them that are in any trouble at all by, by, look what he says, by, he tells us how we're able to do that. By the comfort wherewith we are comforted of God. If you never give in to God, you don't know how he can comfort. So what makes you think you can help that person who's suffering? What makes you think you can hurt that young person who feels at a loss in his world? What makes you think that person sitting right next to you right now, well, I think I can help them. How? How can you help them if you've never allowed God to do things in your life, to dig a little deeper in your life? When somebody else comes to this level and you're still here, you can't help them much. But when you're here or down here, now you can Our, those that have been hurt and suffered and pain and loss and those who have deep feelings about what they've gone through can deeply help others and what they're going through. I can, it didn't take me long to look around this room and say loss, loss, sorrow, struggle, hurt. It, 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 it's everywhere. 
what a mean father we have. You misunderstand. Jesus, the Bible said, ready? He didn't exclude himself. A man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. I mean, it's like, no, we're, like we're related. It's around all the time. A man of sorrow is acquainted with grief, smitten of God and afflicted. His own son. If we went back to Isaiah, the Bible said that it pleased God to bruise Jesus. What? How could you get pleasure out of that? Well, it wasn't exactly that. It's what it's going to produce. For the joy that was set before him. So I got to get through this cross thing and bear the sins of many for the joy. Do you know the joy that was set before Jesus? you know what he was so happy about? You. Yes. Sons and daughters born into the kingdom of God. God said, son, if you do this, look at all these millions and millions of people that will be in heaven and serve you and me like we always play. Imagine that. And his son said, okay, put me through it. I yield. My life is all broken up. You take it and do with it what you want. By the way, Jesus is whole now, completely healed. Everything's good. Everything's all right in my father's house. In my father's house, in my father's house, everything's all right in my father's house. There is joy, joy, joy. Come and go with me to my father's house, to my father's house, to my father's house. Come and go with me to, you finally woke up, to my father's house. There is joy, joy, joy. In Jesus, listen, when I yield to the breaking of God, I can identify. By the way, watch it. The reason you don't understand the Lord, the reason you don't like what he does half the time is because you can't identify with him. But he's God and I'm not. He was a human being lived on this earth. And the Bible said we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted just like we. Jesus is saying I've been there, done that. More than you've ever thought about. And he tells us to give in. A man of sorrow. Acquainted with grief. Smitten of God. When we yield to the breaking. When we finally yield to that. I can identify a little more with Jesus. The Bible said that I may know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. You ever had somebody go like, you don't know what I'm going through. You've never been through this. What you're saying is, we really can't identify with one another because you really don't know what you're talking about. Jesus said, I do. I, I, I know what you're going through. I've been there. Even before I was born, people were trying to kill me. Right after I was born, we had to go on a long trip and change houses. Yeah, we have bus kids all the time. Every couple of months, they're in a different house. And I know that's terrible, and that's not, I don't think that's proper, but you have to understand something. Jesus did that. As soon as he was born, they had to take off and go to Egypt because people were seeking to kill him. You have to understand. See, you, you can't identify with Jesus because you don't identify with Jesus. You don't want to. You don't want to hurt, not even to know him. You don't want to give up any of your fun and pleasure in life even to get closer to him. You, you, know what that, you know what that is? That's fallow ground. 
God said, I want to plant better stuff there. I want to plant more stuff there. And he said, nope, not going to happen. Never happened to me again. Nope, not going to happen to me again. Oh, Jesus, I love you. You don't even know him that well. You don't know him that well. That I may know him and the fellowship of his suffering. That I may know him, the resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Being made conformable. Ready? Here's the rest of it. Being made conformable. Yeah. To his death. What? What about his joy in singing and praising God? Yeah, yeah, this is fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a joke. Everybody likes feeling good. But doing drugs make you feel good too. They kill you. Drinking after a while ruin your life, but sure feels good while you're doing it. Going to church so that you can feel better and get nothing from God out of it will make you feel good at the time. And it will destroy you later on when you need something. The apostle simply saying, the more I'm broken, the more I know God. But we avoid that, don't we? You say, well, it's just natural. Well, that's true. That's why you have to do it on purpose. Fallow ground will not break itself up. God told him that you break up your fallow ground. And by the way, quit sowing thorns. Well, let me tell you why. And this isn't right. And I got poked over here. And that's, that hit me over here. And I don't like it. Quit sowing thorns. Let God have his way in your life. Number two, being broken without being becoming bitter will help me. The Bible says in Hebrews, talking about a father with his children, for those of you that don't think it's right to spank children, I don't either. I think you ought to beat the tar out of them. Anyway, so the Bible says no chastening for the present. Chastening is a disciplining. For the present seems to be joyous. Yay, Dad, give me one more, please. Come on. Doesn't seem to be joyous. It's not, but grievous. Identify, right? And so here's you. I'm not spanking my kids because I was spanked a couple of times. I hated it too. You're still hardening heart, aren't you? Even though God tells us and instructs us on what is right to do, you're not going to give in to that. So you, we raise a bunch of rotten little kids that want to run in the street and do whatever they want to do, and the whole world owes me. hate to break news to you. I don't owe you a thing. I don't owe you anything. You don't know what it's like. Don't tell me what I don't know. Don't tell me what I don't know. And don't tell me what Jesus doesn't know. We're just hardened in heart. And yet you keep asking God to help break your, your heart. You don't understand what you're doing. I can be used greater by God to help heal broken lives like mine. What, look, look, I was in a, a youth meeting years and years ago with a, with a friend of mine, and he made this statement. He just stopped. He looked around. He was teaching youth leaders about teenagers, and he said this. You youth leaders, quit feeling so sorry for your kids that have one parent and tell them they need to be thankful. I thought, this is going to be interesting. I want to hear what he has to say. And then he explained. In our generation, even when I was on the west side of Columbus, everybody I ran with had one parent, a mom. The majority of children are being raised by one parent. So now I was that way. And when I meet Jesus, I want to feel sorry for myself. I'll tell you why I'm so mad at the world because I was raised by my mom, my old lady. This, ah. Okay, you done? 
You done whining, complaining about everything? You know what? You know what God did in my life? Preacher, there's going to be a whole lot of young people and young adults going to enter into your church and into your life with one parent. I, we have we have a Christian school, and the majority of our teenagers and junior high kids have one parent. I'm talking about Christians. I'm not blaming. I'm not upset. I'm simply a fat. Okay, why? 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 God said, I am going to dig deeper in your life so you can help them when they get to that level. They're going to need you. You'll let me. They're going to need you. So you understand what God's trying to do in your life? God wants to use you. God wants you to help him. It brings a deeper understanding and a sweeter fellowship that I cannot gain any other way. Generation zero, look at me. You are so taken with avoiding every possible hurt you can. You refuse to learn anything. Number two, being broken without becoming bitter will help me. Okay, ready? I'm going to help you. That's your problem. You don't know what I'm going through, so there. A little teenage girl doesn't. Right? Pouting all the time. Man, you hurt my feelings. So I'm just not going to respond. <laughs> and just how's that helping you or anybody else? I can be used greater by God to help brokenhearted people because I understand. You, you like to use that term. Been there, done that. Right? No, you haven't been there and you haven't done that. Because if you did, you wouldn't be hardened at heart. You would say, hey, man, you got, let's go get a cup of coffee. I want to talk to you. Okay, can I talk to you? Is that okay? Can we sit down and talk? Number two, it brings a deeper understanding. Don't fight the hurt. My wife and I, she's sitting right back there. You live with a pastor or a preacher. That's not easy. It sounds like it's a lot of fun. Ooh, this will be exciting. <laughs> well, it's definitely exciting. Um, you say, preacher, what, what do you two do? I've tried to tell you this. Maybe it doesn't make any sense to you. You know, the calls. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Scared you for a minute, though, didn't it? The calls you get at night late about your kids. Scary. Been there. Having dreams about your family and how things are going to come out, you know, and you're making stuff up like Dorothy and Dodo and the Wizard of Oz and all that kind of stuff. And you, oh, this is going to be so much fun. Oh. Been through that. So, preacher, what did you do? Now, please forgive me, but I don't think I'm bitter. I don't think I have a bad attitude. I don't think I'm not trying to help people. Okay? So what'd you do? Ready? For some of you that are about ready to quit, hold your ground because nobody loves you. Well, everybody got a prayer card. I didn't get a prayer. Is anybody praying for me? You missed the whole point, didn't you? Who are you praying for? So here's what we've done. Nobody taught us this. We just seemed to be the right thing to do. With tears, broken heart, broken lives. We hung on to each other and simply kept walking with the Lord. 
See, anybody should be able to do that. Not very complicated, right? You hang on to each other and you keep walking with the Lord. Do you want to know the big secret for almost 52 years? I just told you. You didn't even write it down. Didn't you make any notes down? Huh, that's kind of interesting. No, it's not interesting. That's the way it has to be. Don't fight the hurt. Don't resist the breaking. It's meant to help break you. You understand that? You've gotten too hard. You, you turn things over and you've let it lie that way for so long. You think everybody, including God, should obey you and do what you say. Where are we getting this stuff at? When God Almighty is saying, you're my child. Now, you, you break up your fallow ground. I come heal your heart. And by the way, that's why my son came, to heal the brokenhearted. Don't fight it. If we just break up the fallow ground, he can now heal our hurt. Number three, and I'm done. Preacher, can I be used of God if I have a hardened heart? That's a good question. Because you know if you are or not, right? Well, Paul killed Christians and persecuted the church. And God used him. Paul went through a lot of hard things. And you know what he did in his life? He gave in. Beaten, stoned to death, chased, deprived. Be quiet, look up here. Listen, all of these things, you know what Paul did? How could he put up with that? He gave in to God. He refused to let that ground to lie that way. I got to break this up so God can get even deeper in my life. Peter cursed and swore. Yeah, I'm surprised how many Christians do things like the world think it's okay now. Stealing. Well, if you need something, you have to steal it. You know, stealing still against the Bible. Still against God. Yeah, it's not just murder and that kind of thing. Somebody's lying. Ooh. Lying? You mean like, well, I didn't tell the whole, it wasn't a whole lie. Okay, so I left out one word. I didn't say exactly what they said. I said, you're a liar and a deceiver. You can't figure out why God will not step in and help you. Peter cursed and swore and then said, I don't even know who he is talking about Jesus Christ. You know, a few days later, you know what Jesus wanted? He said, by the way, I, I, let's get together. We're going to have dinner, and I want all the disciples here. And you remember what he said? And, oh, yes, you make sure Peter comes. The very guy who cursed and swore and said, I don't know that man, and then went back to his old job like nothing ever happened. Jesus said, you make sure you bring Peter. Now, you think you're under pressure when I call out your name? There were 11 of them with Jesus sitting around a fire. All of a half of them backslid and went back to their old job after Jesus died. Guess whose name he brought up? Yours. I mean, they're all eating. They're all around a fire. And Jesus says, Peter, wait a minute. What about those guys and those guys? They did the same thing. When God wants to use you, he will come straight to you and get you to admit what you need to admit. Peter, love us. If it were me, I'd be going like this, like you do. Teenager in class, right? There's two people in class. He's looking right at you go. Yeah, dopey, talking to you. 
Peter sitting there. He's the only person named Peter. Kind of a dead giveaway. And then he asks him in front of everybody, Peter, do you love me? Can't you just see how he must have felt and looked? Um, yes, Lord. The guilt. The guilt. I'm done with you. I'm going back to my old job. I'm calling it quits. Hey, we're having a revival. And you make sure you bring Peter. During the revival, he simply looks and says, Jerry, what's he talking to me for? How about the rest of these guys? You know how we do. We all have excuse on why it's not me. But Peter gave in. Yes, Lord, I love you. Okay. I'm done with that. Peter. Oh, not again. Come on. You love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, he didn't call out anybody else's name. Other people were there. Other people did what Peter did. So why is God pointing at you right now? Because God wants to use you. Peter, you love me? I can see him. Lord, come on. You know everything. You know I love you. God didn't say, okay, it doesn't matter anymore. That's not what we said. Okay, now that you've let me in, you need to go get busy for me. See, you hit an altar, have a good cry, feel better about yourself, and you never come back. You don't serve the Lord anymore. You don't give in to him. Everybody feels better after a good cry. Man, I finally got that off my chest. Ooh, do I feel relieved inside. Okay, God healed you. You feel better. Okay, now let's go do what God told Peter. Go feed my sheep. That's all God wanted. I can tell you about Elijah and Moses. Don't turn over and die. Nobody likes being hurt, including your Savior. He did it willingly. He did it on purpose because it needed to be done. Don't allow yourself to get bitter and stop God from helping you. Don't allow the hurts to cause you to turn over the soil of your heart and say, God, I'm done. And God said, then I can't help you. It's not that God doesn't want to. Break up your fallow ground. Yield to God's working in your life. Yield to, we don't understand how God works, so we're not going to do anything. No, 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 bad, bad idea, bad idea. Amen. You yield, and as you walk forward, God Amen. will show you. Amen. See, that's called faith. If God described to you everything that he's going to do before you have to do it, there's no faith involved. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen. Think of the help you could be. We have been taught so much to talk about our feelings, our hurts. Nobody understands. We're not even looking for God to help us anymore. We say we are. Think of the greater understanding about God you'd have, about Jesus. I can tell you why God's doing that. How do you know that? Well, you see, back about 10 years ago, many in this room will not make it 10 years. Some of you will make it, but it's pure determination. I don't quit anything. Yeah, but God can't use you that way. You're hard, then hard. Yes, you can be used. Go to Ecclesiastes, and we are almost done. Ecclesiastes. You know where that's at? You know where Proverbs is? You know where Psalms is? Middle of your Bible. 
Psalms in the middle of your Bible, right after that's Proverbs. Right after Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Chapter 7, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Do you know you get a whole lot more out of your life when you go through hardships than you do when everything goes your way? I don't believe that. Would you believe if God said it? I don't mean just hard, mean lessons. I mean good lessons. Lessons that teach you about God. Watch what it says. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, <clears throat> verse number 2. It is better to go to the house of mourning, not, not mourning like the sun mourning, mourning like crying, hurting mourning, than to go to the house of feasting. Wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. I want to go to the house of feasting. Man, that's the place I want to go to. But the Bible says the house of mourning is better. Why? Then he tells us why. For that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to their heart. We're all going to go that way. You might as well learn now. Wait a minute, look at the next one. Sorrow is better than laughter. This is what I've been preaching about all morning. He didn't say no laughter, but he said, I'll tell you what brings about a greater lesson in your life than laughter, believe it or not, is sorrow. God is doing us a favor and we didn't even realize it. God is helping us and bringing out better things and we didn't even realize it. Wait a minute, watch what he says. For, the sad, for by sadness the countenance, I'm sorry, of the countenance, the heart is made better. We're talking about the heart. Folks, I'm sorry. This is going to sound terrible. Quit feeling so sorry for yourself. My wife just went through surgery for cancer. I got a lady sitting right back on the back. She said, well, praise Jesus, that went through a kidney, kidney, kidney transplant, been on dialysis for like four or five years. Every chance you see them, they're sitting right back there. That's her. Amen. That's her. Say that. Maybe that was her husband. Was that you? Yeah. <laughs> Amen, preacher. Why can't you do that? Well, you don't know what I've been through. You're right, I don't. But I know what he can do for you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Watch what he says. Verse 3. Sorrow is better than laughter. For by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. Verse 4. For the heart of the wise, oh my goodness, is in the house of mourning. They know how to get the best out of that kind of a house. That's a pretty smart thing to do. We're all going to go through it. But some people just will not learn. But the heart, here we are again, of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise, that be me telling you this morning, than for a man to hear the songs of fools. So through the week, how'd that help you? <clears throat> I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way. But left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow. And not a word, said she. But oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. You're just not getting it. So we go through life fussing with God, fussing with these things, fussing with the whys, fussing with the why nots when God just gave you the answer. If you think it's too late, you're wrong. 
Can you teach an old dog new tricks? The old dog wants to learn. You want to learn? You just want to stay the way you are. Keep bumping your head against the wall. It's up to you. We just decided, my wife and I, no matter what it hurts, what it seems like, let's just give in. Let's just give in. God's waiting so that he can get involved in your life. Girls, I want you to be quiet and listen to me. God is waiting to get involved in your life. It's not him that's holding back. It's you. It's us. Sorrow is better than laughter. So the devil has set our whole world. Isn't it amazing? You could have this and you can have fun here and we can have fun here. And we can have, it all seems to turn out bad and sorrowful. And this whole thing about God, I'm not going there and I hate that place and they don't have it. And then look at people around you. It's the best smile I've got. I don't know what else to tell you. He said, what's he doing? Is he in pain? No, I'm trying to smile. See, you can too. You have several times during this sermon. But most of the time it's when you wanted to not because when it was right to do. See the difference? Break up your fallow ground. You say, why? What's God after? Let God dig. Let him. Let him. What's stopping that plow pan is that turned over soil. You keep saying, I won't go beyond this. This will never happen to me again if they think this is going to happen. And you just will not give in to God. It's not God that does not want to work in your life. It is you that's stopping him. At the same time, God, please help me. So it's like you you just don't understand God at all. Really not that hard to understand. You saved? If you died right now, would you go to heaven? You think so? Would you? You're still holding all of your life against God. If this is the way God is, ain't going to do you a bit of good. When you die, you're going to split hell wide open care how much you suffered. You don't go to heaven because you suffered a lot. You go to heaven because you received Jesus Christ and he suffered. The world's got it all backward. And we act like we don't have a choice in the matter. Yes, you do. You just don't understand God. Let's pray.